Welcome to Acme Packing Company's Intercepted. I'm Just Mosqueda, and I'm joined by the Mina Kimes. Say what's up to people, Mina. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. You, there was a little bit of awkward space after my hello, and I was worried that I was, it was like too much, I, you know, like a little bit too energetic. Hi, how's it going? No, it's all good. Um, where do we even want to start with this? Both of the quarterbacks are coming back. Do, do you want to go into uh, general thoughts about the Aaron Rodgers situation? I know we've talked about this like via DM often. You know the, um, the like Jimmy Butler keeled over picture? I don't yeah. even remember what game that's from. That's how I feel on that. Like on Monday or Tuesday, NFL Live is my show's on at four. And we got the news that he was talking on McAfee again at two. And I was like, please just, I just don't want to do it. I, I'm tapped out. I just did the, the, actually, I'm glad that when you and I talked about this game, I said, well, we'll see who's playing quarterback. And it does seem like we're getting Rogers Wilson. So it actually makes the game a lot easier to discuss, even though I will say, um, we don't really know what we're going to see out of each quarterback, right? Like we got Wilson who's coming off of the finger injury, just took out the pin, pin and win or something. And then make, puts out the video with the succession mu- music. And then you got Rogers who, you know, he had COVID. So like he might not be totally right either, but we do know who's actually playing. And that goes, that helps a lot. Yeah. And it should be noted. Uh, the Packers just got done with their like Wednesday, you know, post-practice pressers and stuff like that. Devontae Adams is just coming off of the COVID reserve list. And mm-hmm. he was saying, like, even in that game against Kansas City, he caught himself, like, walking back to the huddle real slow and stuff like that. And it it wasn't mm-hmm. even necessarily, like, COVID-related as much as, like, being in, being in NFL shape is so different than just, like, rolling out of bed. And the fact that he wasn't able to do that for, you know, a week um, kind of yeah. changed uh, his conditioning, I guess. I mean – I saw it a little bit with the XFL and stuff like that first week of camp where you're not used to you you look at you look at the guys working out and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. And then like two weeks in, you're like, oh, okay, they just needed to get back into playing shape like that playing shape Hmm. uh, is like an actual thing. So I guess that'll be interesting as far as the uh, Russell Wilson video. I mean, you would think that this guy is coming back from like the Alex Smith injury, the way he's putting <laughs> idiots. Listen, no, you know, you are not going to out cringe me this week. These quarterbacks, no, for once I have the upper hand when it comes to which of our quarterbacks is embarrassing us more these days. Um, yeah, it was interesting. The succession music was an interesting choice because I was like, which character is he implying that he is? If you don't watch succession, it's okay. You should watch it though. It's a good show. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because. This is if, if both these quarterbacks are actually healthy, it is a good football game. Um, as far as that's that's an HBO show, right? Succession. Yeah, it's an HBO show. Yeah. I I have something that you need to watch. Have you seen? The it's other actually, two? by the way, I would say Succession is also kind of what's been happening in Green Bay the last two years with Aaron Rodgers, and you won't understand that joke because you don't watch the show. I'm sorry. I have not seen the other two, but many people have recommended it to me. It's very good. I know you like. Uh, I think you should leave. So if you have that type of humor, it's it's very very close. Um, the other thing that we have in common, Odo Beckham Jr. is reportedly interested in both teams. Um, I kind of want to know, like, do the Seahawks really even need OBJ? Like, you guys already have Lockett. You guys already have DJ Metcalf. DK Metcalf, sorry. Um, seems kind of selfish if you guys are in wow. the uh, OBJ sweepstakes. Let us have we one. Absolutely, we absolutely don't need OBJ, but um, there's no way to improve the defense midseason. 
I keep saying. So why not try to score more points? I think that apply, that logic applies to literally all the teams in the OBJ sweepstakes, which seems like based on the reporting over the last couple of days, Packers, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Patriots, and the Saints. I don't know why you go to the Saints, but the Saints also. Um, yeah, I, I think both of our teams could obviously benefit from using him. I do think, however, it's Wednesday. So at least in this game, he will probably not be playing. Yeah, I got asked about that yesterday. Um, I did the the podcast with the uh, field goal guys, and they were like, well, who's OBJ going to suit up for? And I was like, wide receiver isn't pass rusher. I mean, we've seen it with, yeah. you know, in Green Bay, Whitney Merciless, and other places, you know, Vaughn Miller was uh, a guy who potentially could have played last week. And obviously, Khalil Mack, you know, guys can get into pressure packages on a short turnaround, but it's because you line up in the C-gap and you're rushing the passer. Like, we look at this offensive verbiage, you know, in, in all of these systems, and people are like, wow, I can't believe play calls are like 15 words long. Well, usually only <laughs> maybe one or two of those words matter to the offensive lineman. The rest are all the skill players. It's where you line up, what you're supposed to be doing. So I would assume that, you know, if OBJ does sign with anyone between now and Sunday, he wouldn't be able to suit up in a game because just the learning curve is too high. Yeah, you know, in Seattle, you just run around a lot and wait for Russell Wilson to eventually find you. So yeah, you yeah, just run right. nine routes, right? Okay, so, exactly. so this, this goes into another point. We've seen Russell Wilson with a billion different offensive coordinators at this point. And it seems like under center, okay, maybe under center, their offense changes a little bit. But once they go into the gun, the Russell Wilson offense is the Russell Wilson offense. Is this just yes. what he is and like what it's going to be forever? Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> it mean, works, but he complains about it. Well, everyone complains. about it. There's some frustration at times, you know, and it's, we went through the, the, the too high thing last year, um, which was actually, it, it was kind of similar to the Chiefs thing where uh, the second half of the Seahawks season last year, people were like, whoa, defense has solved Russell Wilson with too high. And it's like, well, no, Russell Wilson's been an NFL player for like 11 years. No, not 11, 2012, nine years now. He has faced too high many times. Like this is not a new phenomena. There's several reasons why the offense is struggling and it's not just, you know, schematic or whatever, but you know, the, the, yeah, the CIS defense is always going to kind of live and die by the big play a little bit. They are capable of putting together drives. I would say, well, we can talk about the matchup or whatever, but um, at various points, they have been a good rushing team against those types of looks. And um, you know, I, I think the way that they deploy Lockett Metcalf and whoever the third receiver is D Eskridge, who was their first draft pick might play this week, notably, um, and they did use him earlier in the season when he was healthy on some sweep stuff and like kind of horizontally. But um, to me, it just kind of comes down to like, it, it's let like, we know who Russell Wilson is. He's not changing. It comes down to more like, okay, how are we deploying? What is the run pass balance? Is the run game effective? Uh, and then how are we deploying these wide receivers? And I think that'll go a long way to determining what the second half of the season looks like for Seattle. One more thing about Wilson. Do you, do you buy into this Lambeau field curse thing? I, I got, I got mm. asked about this by the field goals guy and they were like, you know, they've only won one game since Mike Holmgren left green Bay for the Seattle Seahawks. And there's some sort of curse. I, I don't buy it. There's nothing logically that you can tell me to convince me that there's some sort of boogeyman underneath Lambeau field that is making Russell Wilson uncharacteristically throwing a lot of these interceptions in these specific games. It's a sample size thing, right? There's no buy-in to this Lambeau, Lambeau field curse. I didn't even realize it happened. I know Packers fans have some level of confidence where they're like, you know, Russell Wilson's coming into Lambeau. Oh, we'll beat him. We've beat him before. But that's totally different than, like, believing there's, like, an actual 
curse that is just haunting Russell Wilson here? I think the curse is that the Packers have been good through most of the Russell Wilson era. So um, I don't know how many games it is, but if you're playing a good team over the course of a small number of games, yeah, like there's a pretty good chance it's not going to go super well. Um, but the family was in Seattle, right? By the way, that was not in Lambeau. If it was in Lambeau, yes. I assume people wouldn't have gone out alive. So yeah, Seattle. That was, that was in um, Lambeau, the massive choke job, the 2014 uh, NFC Championship game was also in Seattle. So that was yeah. in Seattle. I, every now and then when I'm in a bad mood, I rewatch the fourth quarter of that game. Some brave saint <sighs> posted it online. The, the Probably the best part is the John Ryan touchdown, frankly, and his face. But um, yeah, I... I I don't think there's anything to that. Um, I think there are a lot of other challenges facing Seattle in this game. I, I picked Green Bay, by the way. Let's get that out of the way. I picked Green Bay already, but uh, I don't think Lambeau is one of the challenges. So let's talk about this matchup. One thing I feel like I don't have a good uh, understanding of right now is how the Seahawks offensive line is playing, um, in part because – I kind of haven't been watching them the last couple of weeks because Geno Smith has been in. So I'm yeah, like, oh, I don't, I don't need to understand what's happening in these games because this is only going to be relevant for a very short amount of time. So offensive line was obviously they've struggled in the past. Um, how are they looking right now? I would say average. <laughs> That's a really boring answer. And by the way, you're right not to watch them with Geno Smith because blocking for Russell Wilson is such a different animal. Um uh, you know, Dwayne Brown is still a very good left tackle. And I imagine, well, well I, you can tell me what they'll do with Rashawn Gary, who to my eye seems to be the only effective Packers pass rusher, but uh, edge rusher rather. But, um, you know, the run blocking has not been superb. Um, the interior of the offensive line, they did make some changes going to going back to Ethan Posich as their center. And it's really, you know, like it's, there's not, it's not why they lose games. It's not why they win games. They're just kind of mediocre, maybe mediocre to like a slightly below average. Um, I think something that'll be interesting to me, I was actually asking you, like, what's the deal with Kenny Clark? Because, you know, with Green Bay, to my eye, um, that would be the weakness of the defense. That's sort of the interior defensive line. Linebacker is no longer a defensive a weakness, which is insane watching the Packers because historically that's always been where you want to, you know, that they've been soft up the middle and then corner, right? So I think it'll be interesting to see what approach Seattle takes because obviously they're aware of those weaknesses as well. Um, this is not, the Packers run defense still isn't excellent for a variety of reasons, but at the second level, they've kind of figured things out. Up front, it's not as great. Uh, but if I'm Seattle, I try to attack those cornerbacks as much as possible. Yeah, that's the big thing with the, the Packers defense right now. I think if you look at like uh success rate, right? The way the success rate is measured doesn't necessarily mm. help Green Bay with the way that they kind of play that front, but they're not they're not getting ripped for explosive runs or anything like they had, right. you know, under Petten or under Capers in the past. Kenny Clark did return to practice today, so did uh Kingsley Kiki, who missed last week with a concussion after uh he had a concussion against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Clark obviously went down with a back injury and then Dean Lowry, their other starter, um, had been battling a hamstring injury and was on a pitch count last week. And then Tyler Lancaster, their fourth interior defensive lineman, uh, got banged up for a short period of time and was out of the game. So they were in a real bad spot last week where TJ Slayton, who 
basically was taking like a redshirt year, essentially. He was kind of a guy who's very athletic, big body guy. Um, the problem really seemed to be like conditioning and yeah, essentially just conditioning and getting ready to kind of play at a pro level. He was kind of a guy who he didn't even play defense until his senior year of high school. He was like an offensive line, like all American, et cetera. And then Florida was like, Hey, you want to come play D line? He was like, done deal. I'll, I'd rather not play offensive line. So he doesn't have a ton of experience defensively, um, but they had to rely on him. And to your point, you know, talking about Rashawn Gary, he really has been the only guy who's gotten pressure off of the edge. I will say though, Dean Lowry, low key, like this last month, he's had yeah, like he's pro bowl good. numbers. It's very yeah. weird. Um, he was a guy who, you know, they had to restructure his contract this off season and he wasn't even on like a massive deal just to keep him on the team. Um, so that's kind of an interesting point. The other thing I will say, I need you to get on ESPN's airwaves and talk about <laughs> their nickel defense, their nickel defense. They play it in, in ways that I rarely see it played at the NFL level. You see it more like high school and college where, you know, the, the bare front, not even necessarily out of like base personnel is being mm -hmm. kind of spread out everywhere where, you know, by alignment, you're taking away inside run. You're getting a guy one-on-one -on, -one on the edge uh, with, with wide outside linebackers. The Packers often will just go out there with three defensive tackles, two edge rushers, and a singular inside linebacker. And that inside linebacker is Devondre Campbell, who's having, you know, a Pro Bowl season playing sideline to sideline. And it's very odd. I, I'm sure you'll see it in this upcoming game, but it's not really something that I see, you know, consistently across the NFL even. And how would you attack that if you were Seattle? Gap. It's gap. Yeah. It's it's gap runs. Um, and again, that's happening in nickel. So like the Packers do a pretty good job of matching personnel, uh, unlike Petten, where Petten might go, Oh, you're you're running base? I'll put out dime. And you know, he would, my, but he would li literally just play that regardless over yes, and over it did, and over. It didn't matter. They're playing. Have the have the Packers played any super strong gap rushing attacks? Chicago. So Chicago, Chicago was the big okay. one. Yeah, they Chicago was the big yeah. one that they saw um, really recently. I, and this will be an interesting kind of change of pace for Green Bay because after seeing Kansas yeah. City, after seeing Arizona and Washington, and I understand people don't watch Washington nationally, which good for them. They shouldn't be watching Washington <laughs> football. They give you no reason to. But they're a very spread team. So they're coming off of basically, yeah. you know, three spread offenses in a row going against uh, the Seahawks who, you know, do actually use tight ends. The Arizona Cardinals never got the Packers into uh, base personnel defensively in that Thursday night matchup. Not a single snap. So to kind of mm -hmm. put that into perspective. But yeah, it's it's a weird way um, to kind of play defense, at least on the, the NFL level. At, at the college level, you're seeing it a lot. And, you know, teams like Oklahoma are kind of known to for how to kind of like attack it. And it often is like, okay, you're giving me three defensive tackles. I'm going to down block those three defensive tackles yeah. with my front side offensive lineman. I'm pulling my guard from the backside and hopefully we get to that linebacker. Um, the thing in the NFL is it's pretty hard to run power out of the gun, which is, you know, most of the time that you're going to have a, a nickel defense on the field just because there's not that element of the option game. Right? right. And because the NFL doesn't have really that many option quarterbacks, um, the Packers really aren't seeing it right now. I think they would struggle a little bit more against, teams like Philadelphia and like the Indianapolis Colts where they, they they're use a bunch of different tight ends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And right. But they're so not I on think, the schedule. I think with yet. Seattle, like, and, and what you're describing, like I, I Devonder Campbell's been freaking awesome, especially against the run, like the dudes fit. Hashtag insane. pro bowl but vote. 
hashtag he can be exploited in coverage though. And if I'm Seattle, that is the matchup I try to take advantage of if they take that approach, which I imagine that they will. I, I would think yeah, you're right, Seattle does use their tight ends. And I think um and then they do throw to their backs occasionally. I think Chris Garth is gonna play, by the way. I'm not hundred percent sure, but the language coming out is good. Um I really think I know, you know, Russ doesn't use the middle of the field. <laughs> it's kind of a meme or whatever, but I really think that um they will be able to get mismatches with the tight ends in this one. Uh, I know I talked earlier about um, Metcalf and Lockett, but Green Bay will have their hands full, right, with the wide receivers. So uh, in the passing game, I think your Gerald Everett, Will Disley might get more targets in this one than they normally would. Is, is Russ too short to see over the middle of the field? Many people are wondering. You know, he – has trouble seeing over the middle of the field, but he doesn't have trouble listening to doctors, and that's cool. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There we go. But yeah, no, to your point, I mean, Devondra Campbell's had a great season, but the he probably had his two worst uh, snaps of the season against Travis Kelsey uh, trying to cover, you know, crossers over the middle of the field. So that's a matchup to watch Um, defensively. That's another thing Mm -hmm. that I don't have a good concept of right now is what the Seahawks defense really even is. Um, Yeah. Can you talk about it a little bit? Cause I'm trying to. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get a read on them because they obviously they've improved a lot over the last month that they've played. Let's see. I'll pull it up. Most recently Trevor Lawrence, but you know, Jags, Uh, although the bills, you know, lost the Jags. So whatever. Um, Jameis before he got hurt, uh, Jimmy Trey Lance was in the mix. So, and then Ben Roethlisberger. So, the numbers are way up, but the competition obviously has not been um, tremendously difficult. They have made some adjustments, though, that I think have helped them out, most notably using more dime personnel. They've had Ryan Neal in a lot, which worked really, really well against um, – he's really, really good at defending tight ends. Um, there is no one on this roster who can cover Devontae Adams, which we saw all too painfully uh, in the playoffs – but uh, DJ Reed, who's their top cornerback, has he, he is pretty decent. I think I imagine that they'll give him some help on that one, um, especially because, you know, it's Green Bay. There's not many other wide receiver uh, skill players on this roster, she says, right before Alan Lazard inevitably puts up 100 yards and a touchdown against Seattle. Um, you know, the, the pass rush, I, I thought this, by the way, I was so I previewed this game a little bit for my podcast and uh, shocking uh, Rogers 
has very uh, Tom Brady 2020 statistics. First in QBR when not pressured. 33rd when pressured this year. I call that the Tom Brady. Um, so the question is, can obviously he's getting the ball out quicker too. And oh, you should tell me if David Bakhtiari is playing. The offensive line has been very mixed so far early in the season. Uh, Seattle's basically gotten a lot of production out of Daryl Taylor, and that's about it on the outside. So, you know, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can pressure Rodgers because I think that'll go a long way towards deciding whether the defense is a chance because, like I said, nobody can cover Devontae Adams. Yeah, they were trying to get an answer out of Elton Jenkins on where he was going to play this week uh, to kind of get a hint on, you know, is Bach going to come back or not? He's going to have to get activated no matter what if he wants to play this season, which seems like everyone wants him to. Uh, LaFleur said yesterday, you know, he he's going to get activated. The question is if he's going to play or not, right? So we know the news that he's act- he's going to get activated is coming. Um, the big thing is if Bakhtiari doesn't play, the guy to worry about isn't actually, you know, either of the offensive tackles. It's Royce Newman at right yard. He's yeah. he's struggled so much um, with stunts and blitzes. I saw uh, someone posted that he had the lowest grade last week um, than any other but two offensive linemen since like 2014. Like it was that bad against Kansas. Really? He, he cannot. Good. He can't handle it. stunts and blitzes. He can't. I, I, I... I was actually really, I mean, look, Jordan Love struggled. We don't talk about that, but like, I was shocked by the performance of the Green Bay offensive line against Kansas City. I feel like it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe underplayed coming out of the week because everyone was so focused on Love. And, you know, obviously he did miss some throws, but like, I really expected more, especially again. I mean, Chris Jones is a handful for any team, especially when he's been used properly. And I think Frank Clark is getting healthy and you're kind of seeing that certainly, but goodness, like that offensive line really underwhelmed me in that game. They sent like six and seven every single play and the Packers just never went to quit game. It really seemed like until probably midway through the third quarter, their answer was, or at least our thought was, all right, you're going to blitz us a ton. We're going to get a shot play. And then uh, you're going to get out of it. (laughs) And Jordan Love just could not complete one of the shot plays. And yeah, they should have adjusted earlier. And on their scoring drive, they realized like, hey, it's third and six. You're going to give me a blitz front. Like we're just going to run inside zone against it and get a first down or we're going to RPO this mm-hmm. or we're going to quit game this. But they just went to it too late. Um, re- really killed them. Uh, LaFleur called the Seahawks unit one of the best tackling units we've seen. A lot of uh, Seahawks fans then immediately jumped in my mentions and said like and they crucified Aaron Rodgers for lying to the media. How, it, how bad is the tackling unit? They're not that bad. We did that with um, somebody talked about the Chiefs defense being good on the Packers and people. That was Aaron Jones last week. Yeah. Okay. And everyone was like, oh, this is the bigger liar that lie than the one Rogers told. And then the Chiefs defense came out and played pretty well. So uh, hopefully that trend continues. Um, The tackling is not terrible. I would say actually that's uh, far from the biggest issue with this defense. I think it's the lack of a pass rush and then some lapses in coverage more so than any tackling in the open field. Um, so no, I, that he's not wrong. That's, 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 I mean, I think the CX have really struggled with screens this year and the absence love of to hear that AJ, right. Yeah. Love to hear that <laughs> against this game. I know team in particular, I, I expect a lot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if even with Devonte Adams, the green Bay plan doesn't look too dissimilar, frankly, from what we saw against Arizona. I mean, it will be relatively dissimilar because Adams changes everything and then when the shots are there he's going to take them but um separately from that it does seem like 
you know, Rogers is playing kind of like a different, different style of football this year from last season. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we get you out, because I know you're a busy bee. Jamal Adams, let's let's have discourse. A, a lot of people have thoughts about Jamal Adams. People are calling him Blitz Boy. People are saying he's a 210-pound edge rusher. What what does Jamal Adams bring to the table and how good do you think he is? Okay, so it's hard to separate um Jamal Adams the player from Jamal Adams the trade. Um Yes. I sh- I will note he is coming off of I I would say maybe his best game of the season, admittedly against Jacksonville. Um, They are using him less as a blitzer. And so, you know, in some ways that helps him, I think in other ways, um, it it is what he does best. So it's kind of like, but um, I think a lot of the issues with him have to do with his usage. Uh, Seattle's playing a lot more cover two this year. It's not, the Seahawks cover three of your, and I think in many ways, if they were just a cover three team and he was just playing that cam chancellor role, he'd probably be more effective because he is very physical. He's a hitter. He's, um, you know, he, he is a decent tackler, by the way. Um, what he's not is a great cover safety. And you see that at moments. I do think there's been a lot of moments with Seattle this season where he has suffered because of the players around him, especially the cornerback, whoever's not DJ Reed. Uh, is uh, it, it's kind of an ongoing competition between Sidney Jones and Trey Brown is a rookie right now to be that other cover spot after uh, Trey Flowers got benched. But some of the plays where people have blamed Jamal Adams have really been on the other uh, cornerback and it's not his fault. So, um, you know, I think this will be an interesting week to see whether or not he can build off of the last week. Um, I don't like, and I would say I would expect him to play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage in this particular matchup, given what green Bay does up front and we'll see. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think this is a game where actually they'd be best served. They would be served using him a little bit more as a blitzer blitzer, pardon me, situationally, given some of the weaknesses, uh, on the Packers offense, but, um, he is not a great player and he is not a bad player is my answer. Yeah, and one thing that will help Jamal Adams is the Packers no longer have a tight end who can, you yep. know, travel more than five yards down the field. Yeah. The Packers so didn't they, play 10 personnel like at all this year. I was just about to ask year. that. Yeah. Are they, they're not using 12 or 13 much anymore, right, without Tunyon? So they do it on base downs. Um, the, the way that they do it is they use Lewis and Daphne. Daphne is kind of like a mini version of Lewis in terms of, like, they are basically just small offensive linemen. And they'll block defensive ends. Um, Deguara, when Deguara comes onto the field, um, they run a lot of like counter and power and stuff like that because they'll line him up off of the ball and he'll just work across the formation. That's kind of his his kind of game. But the the thing last week was their first third down, they came out in 10 personnel. They just don't have a tight end who can convert on third down. Like that's where they're at right now. And I don't know if there was actually a trade that they could have made at the deadline. I know a lot of people talked about like Evan Ingram and stuff like that. I don't know if Evan Ingram is worth like a fourth, fifth round pick for a one-year rental for half the season. Um, but it's definitely something that's going to keep showing up as the uh, games keep going along. So You hate to see it. You hate to see it. All right, Mina, uh, go ahead and plug everything uh, Mina Kahn yeah. so that people can hear well, you. Well, we talked a little about this game on the Mina Kahn show featuring Lenny. Um, and which is my podcast and, uh, yeah, you should check it out. We talked about the, uh, Chiefs Raiders game, the Pats Browns game, which I think is kind of the best game or Browns Pats game of the weekend, uh, with all due respect to the Wilson 
Rogers Grudge Match. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, you can get it wherever you get your pods. Thanks for having me on.